0: That was a long genealogy of Jesus Christ. And she has to read this. For this, she will get a mini Oscar from me. The title of the sermon today is We Have Found the Messiah. I wanted wanted it to be entitled The the Genealogy of Jesus, then quite a number of you will not be coming to church because you will think that it's very boring. But before we look into the Word of God, let me tell you a funny story. Uh, This story is about a seminary student and he always tried to have a scriptural basis for everything he did. That means what? The book in the Bible. The chapter. The verse to back up all his actions. Now he was doing okay. He was following that book, verse, chapter, everything. Until one day he fell in love with a beautiful girl. Now he really wanted to kiss the girl, but he couldn't find a verse to allow him to do so. So, true to his convictions, he escorted her to the, to the front porch of the house. Every night, looked at her longingly and then what? Shook her hand and said goodnight without kissing her. He suspected that her, his girlfriend wanted to kiss him too, but she was waiting for him to make the first move. So this went on for several frustrating weeks. So he went back to search the scriptures and he found a verse in Romans 16, 16. And he was so excited. And the verse says, Greet each other with a holy kiss. So there could be an opportunity now for him to kiss his girlfriend. But then he wanted to check and he went to his seminary professor who told him that Romans 16, verse 16, is for a church setting, not for a romantic setting. So he was disappointed and frustrated that he couldn't find a verse to justify kissing his girlfriend. So one evening, he walked her to a front porch and started to shake her hand, and in suddenly, his girlfriend grabbed him towards her and gave him a 10-second kiss. And you know what he said? At the end of the kiss, he told told his his girlfriend, Bible verse. Bible verse. Where is the Bible verse? His girlfriend grabbed him a second time and before kissing him again, said this from the Bible: do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So you want to find opportunity to kiss your girlfriend, huh? Look at this verse. What is the lesson from this story? Is that this seminary student was so committed to the Word of God, he went to every book, every chapter, every verse in whatever he did. So he was very obedient to the Lord. Let us go to the Lord in prayer before we look into God's Word. Father, we thank you for your Word that has been read. We thank you, Lord, for this place that we are meeting. We thank you, Lord, for the people who fill up this place. To meet with you, to listen to your word and be committed to your and com- committed to your word. Bless our time together, Lord, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Thank you, friends, for your patience of 40 seconds of silence. <laughs> it is so hard to be silent. So when you come to the church sanctuary, sometimes you cannot find silence because people are chatting away in the church sanctuary. So when there is silence, we feel very awkward, and you may be wondering what what is going on with me. Suddenly, I could not speak. But I'm testing you, and let you experience what it means by 40 seconds of silence. But friends, remember, the Israelites have 400 years of silence. Your 40 seconds of silence is nothing compared to their 400 years of silence. This 400 years of silence between the book, the old, the book uh, of Balakai in the Old Testament, and The gospel, I call it the Matthew in the New Testament, was a period of 400 years. So in other words, when we go from Malachi to Matthew, you have moved over 400 years of time. 400 years of time. No scripture was written. God did not speak to anyone. No prophets, no prophecy. But then, when you read Matthew, came The announcement of the coming of the Messiah. How wonderful. The Jews waited for 400 years and then the announcement came. But then, friends, uh, we may ask a question. uh, What happens uh, within the 400 years? Is there anything that happens or nothing happens during the 400 years? Everything was silent. Although there was a silence from God, from God, there were major political changes. And for those of those of, those of us who are a history freaks, you, are, you will understand what I'm going to tell you. During the changes, we have Middle Persia. You know, Persia was a great empire, followed by the Greeks. You know, the Greeks brought about what? The Greek language. You know, the Greek language is so powerful, it's so accurate. That's why our New Testament, if we read, want to read the New Testament, is in Greek. It should be Greek. And then what happens? We have Egypt, the next kingdom. And in Egypt, was the Old Testament translated into Greek. We call it the Septuagint and then followed by the Romans, the Romans occupied Palestine. All these, friends, were in preparation for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Romans have very good administration. The Romans have built many good roads for what? For the gospel to be preached at that time. There were also religious changes. We have, what? The setting up of the Sadducees, the group of people called Sadducees, and the Pharisees. Who wrote Matthew? Of course, Matthew wrote Matthew. His name in Hebrew means Mattiahu, means gift of Yahweh. Anyone here whose name is Matthew? Raise your hand. Nobody. Nobody is called Matthew here. Okay. If your friend is called Matthew, please don't call him Matt. Short form. Because Matt means gift only. If you say Matthew means it's a gift of God, I think you should address your friends like this. Call your friend Matthew, not Matt. It has lost its meaning. And Matthew, you know Matthew? was a tax collector. Hated by the Jews. Because why? Tax collectors are lumped together with sinners. They collected tax for the Roman uh for the Roman Empire to Caesar. And not only that, they collected more than they should collect and the rest they pocket, uh, they pocket inside their they, they, they put inside their own pockets. That's why tax collectors were hated they are equivalent to sinners, even worse than sinners according to the Jews. So, Matthew was so humble to call himself a tax collector. In Luke's Gospel, his name was called Levi. If you look at uh, Luke's Gospel, and how do we know that Matthew wrote this book? Because today, today we are starting with Matthew's Gospel, the first chapter, the whole series of the book of Matthew. So I'd like to give you some background to it. Matthew was a tax collector and he is very good with numbers. You know, he counts money. And then he's also familiar with coins 30 pieces of silver. You know, Judas betrayed Jesus, 30 pieces of silver. That is in uh, Matthew 26, verse 15. You go back and read it. And then when he was tested by the Pharisees, they asked him, should we give tax to Caesar? And Jesus said what? Show me a coin. And then Jesus says, whose inscription was that on it? They said Caesar. And what did he say? Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God. You know, I like this verse because why? My Form 3 teacher at the MBS, right? Huh? he always liked to quote to us, render unto Caesar. I tell you, what, he did it so well, mel, clear, Very good. I can remember his quotation from the Bible. Then not only that, the, 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 the one, that, what Jesus said was the, the coin, the coin in the fish's mouth. Remember? That was when we, people said that, you know, oh, your, Jesus never paid temple tax. And Jesus told the disciples, go and Take a hook and fish. They caught a fish and inside the coin. Behold, there was a coin. See? Matthew was familiar with coins. That's why in the book of Matthew, a lot of of instances which are referred to coins. Another one of coins. The parable of the coins. Or we sometimes call it the parable of the talent. Remember? Uh, That also. So, from here you can see the background of Matthew. But the message of Matthew is this. He was a Jew speaking to the Jews to present Jesus as the kingly Messiah promised from David's royal line, from Abraham, from the line of Abraham, from the line of King David, even. That was what he wanted. To do. So, the, some key points it says. First, we look at the family tree of Jesus. I prefer to use the word family tree rather than genealogy. Quite difficult to pronounce sometimes. Sometimes we say geography. Right? We mistook the pronunciation. The second is the hall of shame, and the third is we have found the Messiah. Okay. The family tree, or the genealogy of Jesus. Let's look at the what. What is a genealogy? A genealogy is the account of the descent of a person from an ancestor. That is what a genealogy is. Would you like to find out the genealogy? I can go to the Ku Si, and and I can find my great-great-grandfather. Who my great-great-grandfather is, because they have kept this line of genealogy of the family tree of the cool family. Now, Jesus does not come from nowhere. So there must be a genealogy for us to refer to. And that was why? Why is there a genealogy? Geneal- Matthew started the book with a long list of names. He was not like John who started the book of John with what? In the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was a God and the Word was God. It was so special he started with the genealogy of jesus and our sister lillian has to read 17 verses i i don't know whether she practiced at home or not but if that is the case after receiving the oscar the next time i preach uh, i will let her read uh, matthew chapter 3 verses 23 to 38 that's a long one and then she will graduate to what she will graduate to read First Chronicles. The first nine chapters are all genealogy. I'll tell you, you get bored. And one day pastor will give somebody to read. First Chronicles, all the nine chapters. So, here, why, the why of the genealogy, Matthew is telling the true story about Jesus coming into the world as Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. From the time of Abraham. And how was the genealogy written? You know, in verse 17, we were taught that we were told there are three sections of the genealogy. And Matthew divides the family tree into three sections of 14 names. Take note the word, the number 14. The first portion lists the patriarchs from Abraham to David. The second lists the kings from David to the Babylon exile. And the third section of people most unknown to us was from the Babylon exile to Christ. And that is where you see on the screen. First column, fourteen, second column, 14. Third column, 14. So there were 14 generations in three sections. And very interestingly, you notice that David was at the last of the 14 generations. The number 14 in the, in the first group, fourteen generation, he was there, number 14. So Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17, friends, provides the genealogy of Jesus starting from Abraham, right, with Abraham, whereas the, the genealogy in Luke gospel begins with Adam. So let me just show you the one with Adam. Now, you see that? Matthew started with Abraham, Luke started with Adam. So the genealogy according to Luke was very much longer. But there is one thing interesting here we see the difference between Matthew's genealogy and Luke's genealogy. The both gospels present the genealogy of Joseph. You can see Joseph's name in Matthew's gospel, you can see Luke's name in Luke's gospel also. But How they all came about, we don't have the time to to discuss and to to study at this time because we don't have enough time. And one thing we need to note note is that Matthew's genealogy follows the line of Jesus while Luke's genealogy follows the line of Mary. Now, if if we know our scripture well, Jesus was what? Born from a virgin birth, right? Virgin birth. So, J- Joseph here is the adopted father, right? Not the biological father. So, he, the genealogy of, of, of Jesus, right, followed that line of Joseph who is a, his adopted father. And Mary, of course, is the biological line. We are familiar with Isaiah 96. We always read this, or we find this on Christmas cards, and we read this during Christmas time. For to us, a child is born on one hand. To us, a son is given. Sometimes we memorize this verse 96, we just, we just read it. But it has deep meaning, friends The genealogy of Jesus is very deep also So we should not neglect reading the genealogy and skip it Because it tells us a lot of things Even this verse, Isaiah 9, 6 For to us, a child is born It talks about the biological supernatural birth of Jesus Jesus' birth is supernatural all right. To us, a son is given means adopted by Joseph. Okay? Because Joseph and Mary did not have a marriage reunion yet, no sexual reunion yet at that time. Okay? No, because Jesus was born from the, it's a virgin birth. We have to remember that. So we, we cannot say that Joseph is the father the real, the biological father, but Joseph is the adopted father. That's how it is being explained. We look at one thing about the name of David from the concept of geometria. Geometria is the alpha numeric code of assigning a numerical value to a name, word or phrase. On its letters, every good Jew would know that. The number 14 was the numerical value of King David's name. And you know, as I preached the last time when I was telling you about the word kindness, has said that in Hebrew, we read from right to left, okay? Not left to right. And Hebrew language has 22 letters, all consonants, no vowels. So if you were to write, David is Dalet Vav, Dalet. Dalet has given has been given the number four. Vav Six. And Dalet again. Four. D V D. And you add up, I think you know your mathematics very well, eh? It adds up to fourteen. Fourteen. David's name is fourteen. The number is fourteen. So friends, what is the takeaway message for us? The genealogy of Jesus Christ tells us about the eternal plan of God to save us from sin. From the time Adam and Eve sinned, by sending his son as the Messiah, it covers many generations from the beginning of time. How wonderful God's plan is, friends. It's so eternal. It takes so many generations. Our reflection, I will just read to you the reflection. We don't we won't spend two minutes to reflect. You can go do that at home. As you ponder, you and I ponder over the incredible plan and the incredible gift of God's Son, how can you leave a legacy for being faithful to Christ? See, Christ left a legacy for us. Descendants descended from Abraham, according to Matthew, and left a legacy for each one of us. And how about us? Should we leave a legacy also? Now that we are believers of Jesus Christ, won't we leave a legacy to our children, our children's children, and our children's children's children even? That we should do that. Now let's look at the second part. I don't call it the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Shame. Let me show you this, like the gentleman right in the center is Bernard Madoff. Those of you in the finance world, you will know him. Bernard Madoff was involved in the scandal of the Ponzi scheme, which involved 68 billion. US dollars. Take note, not million. Sixty eight billion dollars. And I did some calculation. Our Malaysia's national budget for 2023 is 388 billion. Can you imagine his scandal already involved 68 billion multiplied by our the foreign exchange now? Huh? is almost the same as our Malaysian national budget. That was the amount, no. The enormity of that amount of money that he cheated people, you know? and why do we call it the Hall of Shame? His two sons, when they, found out, when they found out that his father was cheating people of money, they reported. Both of them reported to the authorities. His elder son could not accept that shame. And he committed suicide. His eldest son Mark, his the other son Andrew, died of lymphoma cancer. Bernard Madoff was sentenced in year 2008. He was supposed to serve prison for 150 years. That is the maximum sentence. But then he died in 2021. He did not complete the sentence. He died of kidney failure. That was the shame that his son, especially Mark, endured so much so that he committed suicide. There's a book that I read by Nancy Guthrie. And I quote from Nancy Guthrie in the book. And she says this, Jesus came from a long time of a wrong line of outsiders, outlaws, scoundrels and sinners. When he entered into the world, he entered into the messiness of the human family, even in his own family. In fact, he was the only member of the family who never brought shame upon the family. Instead, he took upon himself. The shame of every person in the family tree. Jesus, to apply to us, Jesus took the shame of everyone in this room, you and I included. He took the shame. He bore the shame on the cross. He was mocked. He was spat upon. And yet, Christ bore the shame. And you see here, Jesus Is identified with sinners Every person mentioned In the genealogy of the Messiah Is a sinner Why? You look at the men. Abraham Abraham was a liar He lied to Pharaoh And Abimelech What did he do? Oh My wife Sarah Is my sister He was scared For his life And then we have Jacob, familiar. The deceiver we say, a cheater. Deceive his father Isaac. Deceive his brother Esau. Deceive his father-in-law Laban. That was Jacob, and not only that, a man after God's heart, David. Even was a sinner. First, he broke the commandment thou shalt not commit adultery. Second commandment thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. And third commandment thou shalt not kill. Because why? He caused the death of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. What about Judah? You know, David comes from the line of Judah. Jesus Christ comes from the tribe of Judah. Judah has incest with his daughter-in-law. Tamar and we read, two sons, two twins were given, Perez and Zerah. He went to find a prostitute and he didn't realise that it was his daughter-in-law. Can you imagine how Perez and Jera is going to call him. He should be grandfather or then they call him father. And the last that i like to mention was Manasseh, King Manasseh. Manasseh was a wicked, evil king. Why was he so wicked and evil? He even sacrificed his son to Molech, the pagan god, his own sons. That was Manasseh and God punished him because why he was taken to Assyria and in the prison he realized his sinfulness, he repented and God restored him back and he went back to Judah friends the genealogy does not include all the good people Who will like to include in the genealogy or your family tree one rascal in the family? You will not. Because shame is shame to you. But Christ, look at him. He took the shame. He bore the shame. And we can appreciate what Christ has done for each one of us. Women were never mentioned in the genealogy by the Jews. But here in Matthew's gospel, the women were mentioned. Tamar, As I said, he was the one who sold herself as a prostitute to, to her father-in-law, Judah. Rahab opened a brothel in Jericho. You know? And then the, the two spies sent by Joshua before they took over the captured Jericho, right? Went to see Rahab. And Rahab hit them. But then Rahab was saved from the judgment and her lifestyle of prostitution. And just now, if you read the your Bible, if you hear properly the Bible, what it was read just now, Rahab was mentioned. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. In other words, Salmon was the husband of Rahab. And you said that, scholars say that Rahab, sorry, Salmon could be one of the two spies who married her, Rahab. Because why? From Rahab, we have what? From the line, from Rahab, we have, uh, we come down to the, what do call, from, from Rahab, we have people like Boaz, from Boaz to Obed, Obed to Jesse, And Jesse then to David The other woman was Ruth Ruth was from Moab Moab A Moab And Ruth descended from what? The the incest between Lord and his daughter Eldest daughter One night the, The two daughters got their father drunk Lord And then what? One by one they go and what? They go and sleep with the father. The eldest daughter then gave birth. The first son was called Moab. And that's where, that's where Ruth came from. Descended from. And take note also. In verse 6, it reads here in chapter 1 verse 6. David was the father of Solomon whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Notice, you know who the Bible is referring to. It was Bathsheba. Have you wondered why the name was not mentioned? Because Matthew wants us to know that actually Uriah was not a Jew. Uriah was a Hittite. So, friends, ah, the names that I read, ah, quite a lot of them were Gentiles. They were not Jews they will not choose. So we see here that Jesus kept his promise to Abraham and David in spite of the sinfulness of men. And as I said, Jesus is identified with sinners and people who fail, people who don't measure up. Friends, we all come to God with a past. You think that do you have a past that you, re- you will not like to tell anyone about it? Even the pastor will not. You want to tell the pastor? Every one of us has our a past. But God does not say, I will undo your past. God's promise is, I will redeem your past, friends. So remember, don't let your past affect you. So that you cannot do work for the Lord and God cannot use you at all because you are so scared of your past. As someone said these words, the heritage you had received is not nearly as important as the legacy you will leave. We are so worried about our heritage from where we descended from. Our friends remember this, huh? The heritage that you and I receive, uh, we have no choice in you know? all. What your great grandfather did in the past, uh, you have no choice in. You, know? you cannot undo it, undo the past. But the legacy you leave is all your choice. Your choice, friends, it's your choice, the legacy that you leave. So leave a legacy, friends, that glorifies God. So what is the takeaway message, friends? God uses actual people, not perfect people for his purposes. So even in the church, God used imperfect people, not perfect people, to serve him. And secondly, I repeat, Jesus bore our sin, and the shame of the past bore his ancestors and us on the cross. But why? That's why we should not take it cheaply, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Our reflection, for you to go back and think about it. How will you avail yourself to God to use you for His purpose in spite of your past? Don't tell God, God, my past is so terrible. I don't think you can ever use me. But God can use You, just like the people in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the third part of the sermon. We have found the Messiah. Today, some of you may come and see what the church service is all about. You come and see but I want you to come and see and find Jesus. You know, G- Judas, uh, Julius Caesar has this famous quotation in, 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 uh, in Latin. Vini vidi vici. In Latin, which means what? I come. I came. I conquer. But look at here, three examples that I will share with you quickly these people come and see jesus and they found jesus and that's why at the end of today my question to you is have you found the messiah have you found jesus the anointed one you know the woman at the well in john four twenty-nine. 29 you can go back and read this jesus met this woman at the well jesus asked her to pour a drink And then Jesus talked to her and Jesus said to her that he is the son of the Messiah who is come. And Jesus said, go back and tell your husband. And she said, well, I have no husband. But Jesus said, you have five husbands and the one that you have is not your husband. She was struck by the words of Jesus Christ. And what did she say? In... John 4.29 It is good to have a Bible in front of you. Sometimes we don't have a Bible in front of us. We just sit down there. So don't let the Bible become an antique That you don't know how to turn to the pages next time. So it's good you have a pure Bible in front of you. 4.29 4.29 he says what? Come see. Come. See. A man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Friends, come and see. Andrew and John, in John chapter one, verses thirty-five to thirty-nine. John chapter 1, let me just read very quickly, 35 to 39. The next day, John was there again, here referring to John the Baptist, with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say, they followed Jesus. Turning around, and these two disciples were Andrew and John. Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And what was the reply? In verse 39, Jesus said to them, Come, he replied, and you will see. Come. And you will see, friends, come to to the church. Come and see. Philip was told by Jesus to follow him. Ah, no, before that, Andrew, after hearing about Christ as the Messiah, he went to what? Tell what? He went to tell Simon, whom later was called Peter. And what did he tell Peter? We have found the Messiah. Andrew and John come and see, and then they found the Messiah. So, if I were to, to tweak the words of Julius Caesar instead of Vini v, uh, Vidi Vici, it should be what? I come, I see, I find. So, you come and you see and you find Jesus today. Philip, after following Jesus, went to Nathanael and tell him about Jesus Christ. But then, what did Nathanael tell him? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth is a, it's a small town. Nothing of value. So, in other words nathaniel was mocking was mocking jesus nazareth can anything good come from there nathaniel asked and what did philip say in verse 46 first john uh, john chapter 1 verse come and see again come and see friends come and see and then i find jesus and find jesus Takeaway message for us is our challenge is to encourage our loved ones. Just like what Andrew did, he found Simon. Philip found Nathanael. We encourage our loved ones and others to come and see the Lord Jesus for themselves. So as long as we come to him, friends, we will be able to see who he is. Is. our reflection what do you believe about Jesus do you think he was who he claimed to be what do you need to trust God for in your life who do you believe that he is is he the Messiah the anointed one my conclusion Francis, is this Have you found the Messiah? The redemption Jesus the Messiah brings is not just for Israel, but for all humanity. All of us. He died on the cross, not for the Jewish people, but for the Gentiles. Before I close, let me give you an invitation. Ask. This question, what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? This question was asked by Pontius Pilate during the trial of Jesus. He told the Jewish people, the the, the religious people, what shall I do with Jesus Christ, who Jesus is called the Christ? Now, he mentioned the Christ some more, the anointed one, the Messiah. What shall I do? And what did the crowd, the Jewish crowd reply? Crucify him! Crucify him! Friends, you have two responses to Jesus as the Messiah today. Either you crown him as the Lord of Lords or you crucify him. No, Jesus is one day is going to ask Pilate uh, this question. Uh. You know, Pilate says, so what shall I do with Jesus Christ, huh? Pilate one day will be before the judgment seat, uh, And then uh Christ will ask him this question. Uh, what am I going to do with you, huh? Point Pontius Pilate? And Jesus is going to ask you also the question: what am I going to do with you? Wouldn't you obey the Lord Jesus today and let him be your saviour, your Lord and your King? Friends, as Jesus was before Pilate, Jesus is before you. As Jesus was in Pilate's hands, his life, you know, Pilate said, whether you live or not, depends on me. I can free you, no? So as Jesus was in Pilate's hands, Jesus is in your hands. So, if there is anyone present present here today who have not embraced jesus christ as lord and savior and redeemer and sacrifice his sacrifice for sin may you now may you do so now and may the testimony of jesus even in looking at this one concept of messiah be an overwhelming evidence that jesus is who he claimed to be i've not done this in church before but i'm going to do this This It's always the first time Brother Leo says, he's the first time to say the prayer. I say, always a first time. On. Friends, I'd like you, if you can stand, please stand up. <coughs> I'm going to tell you a story. In the village, there lived a very old wise man. And everybody in the village will go and ask him for advice and decisions. One day, two boys, two cheeky boys, wanted to test his wisdom and to trick him. So they brought a bird in the hand and hid it behind their back and asked this wise man, wise man, tell me, the bird in my hand, behind me, in my hand, Is the bird alive or is the bird dead? The wise man knew it was a trick question. And you know what he told the boy, the two boys? Whether the bird is alive or not, whether the bird is alive or not, lies in your hands, friends. In your hands. And you have Christ in your hands right give yourself a happy applause please be seated so this is a decision the decision to accept christ as your lord and savior is in your hands let us pray you can pray this prayer personally lord i believe jesus is lord I believe he died and rose from the dead for me to pay for my sins. I want him to be the ruler of my life. My own way has led me only to sin and separation from you. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for giving yours to me. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. In response to God's word, let's rise to sing this